0: Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. We do have a request though, before we get started, if you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Purcell Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 341, a themed episode. Yeah. And we are back. Yes, finally. Back, back in the studio,
0: which is fantastic. Uh, it's a good feeling to be able to uh, actually have our equipment again and, and be able to sit you know, next to each other as we're talking. Uh, and then for those of you who've kind of suffered through the last several episodes, uh, again, we want to reiterate that our goal with pure Soul podcast is to always put out quality content and sometimes that quality is just the content itself oh um and sometimes you know we always try and make sure that the the production quality is also there uh but you know we've been doing a few weeks of uh remote and we are still kind of working out the kinks of how our remote system is going to work so we were doing it on the fly off my phone and various things i didn't have good mics and stuff so uh be prepared that uh, when, if, and when we do remote in the future, like more permanently, it's going to be quality. It's going to be great. Uh, but again, thank you for those of you who uh, kind of went through that time with us and, you know, welcome back. Welcome back to the, uh, the hustler hangout.
1: That's yeah. yeah Glad you are here. So this episode I thought I would talk about the biggest trap for resellers. And the reason I, you know, I was thinking with this and and I was talking to Mike about it was the fact that, you know, right now, as things are interesting, right? And a lot of people on social media are very big on sales are slow, things are happening. You know, you see a lot of YouTube titles now. Should I quit eBay? Is it just better to get into the nine to five? And so I, I thought it'd be good for us to discuss, you know, what are the traps that resellers get into that causes them to maybe burn out, leave reselling, stay stagnant, not move forward in their business, and overall just be miserable. And and here's the thing. Mike and I, from day one, and we're entering the end of our five years of Pure Podcasts, Podcast, which means the end of me being a full-time reseller, you selling part-time. And during this whole time, we've always been big about staying positive, keeping positive. We keep it real, but we've always been big about, listen, if, if reselling becomes something that feels like a chore, or if it's something you're not enjoying, it's okay. It's okay to go from full-time to part-time. It's okay to just walk away too, if you want to walk away. But I I feel that these traps end up causing a lot of people to walk away when they shouldn't, or to give up, or just get complacent. So the first one I thought we should discuss is, you know, as as you look on social media, you go on uh, you go on Instagram, you go on TikTok, on Facebook, wherever you you do your social media. You know, everybody's talking about sales are slow, and so if everybody's talking about it, you just begin to accept and go. You know what? There's Maybe there's nothing I can do about it. Maybe I should just sit back. You know, maybe one day things will come back and your business doesn't grow or you go in the negative or you begin to really suffer the effects of basically complacence right you you begin to get inconsistent it, it becomes this victim mentality of woe is me and you know it's it's the market I can't control the market which is all true we can't control the market but there's a lot of things you can control and, and I really feel right now a lot of people that aren't making sales aren't making sales because they've chosen to accept that they're just not going to be able to. Yeah. And that that's really what it comes down to is just an understanding of one,
0: this is a business. Um, even if you're doing it as a side hustle, maybe it's not as serious of a business for you. But just think of any successful business. And if there's ever a period, maybe a company, a tech company has a new launch of a product, new you know software, and there's bugs in it and it's not selling like they thought it would or whatever the situation is, those companies, the people at the top have a tremendous amount of pressure on them to figure out what's going on, how to fix it, how to, how to increase the profits so that the next year they're able to, to fix those problems, to keep PR, like there's a huge effort and they're willing to adapt and change and shift. And the companies that don't do those things, those are the ones that go bankrupt and you don't hear about them in a while. And sure, there are certain companies where, okay, like Netflix came out and so blockbuster is gone, right? Like there are shifts in, and, and sometimes there are outside things that are outside of your control, but think about it. If you were in the, the movie rental business, how many companies were able to figure out like, okay, I guess streaming is the next thing. We got to figure out how to make this work. And so you can't just accept the status quo. You can't just say, hey, sales are down. I guess this is what it is. You do need to figure out ways to adapt, ways to make sure that you are um, making those sales one way or another and, and, and move forward. So don't get into that complacency. And one of the reasons a lot of times people get into that kind of complacency is because they fall into the trap of being in a negative reseller community. And this is, I've noticed, in pretty much any area of your life. Like it doesn't matter what area you're talking about, whether it's whether it's politics, whether it's like a nine to five type work, whether it's your family, once you start getting into like negativity and that's all you're looking for. You're doomed. Like you're you're going to soak it up. Negativity is such a powerful emotion. Uh, it's you hear phrases like you know what is it? A uh, sorrow loves company or misery loves company, yeah. and it's so true. And it's because it's one of those things people can bond over. And it's it's sad when I see that where there are people who their main connection to each other is the fact that they're always talking trash about their boss or they're always talking trash about people around them and. And it's such an easy thing to kind of connect and relate on. And so it makes communities that are negative, very powerful. People are drawn to them because, hey, this person's upset. They're upset about the same things I'm upset about. It validates you. You get into that feedback loop. And the reality is you're never going to change. And I think it was like a it was like a cheesy Tony Robbins thing uh, that I heard like a while back. But it's actually kind of good in a sense. And it went something like... If you were to look around the room right now and look at everything that's brown, like find everything you can think of that's brown, like take a moment to like memorize everything that's brown, close your eyes and how many brown things can you count? All right. And so you go through and it's like, okay, well, how many green things can you count? And if your eyes are still closed, you you might not, maybe one thing like, wait, I think I saw a green thing. But if that's, if you're not looking for positive things, mm-hmm. you're only going to see the negative. And if that's what you're focused on, if you're in a, in a reselling community, whether it's social media, whether it's um, a, you know, just local friends maybe it's like a a negative discord group something like that and if all you're doing is focusing on the negative it's going to impact your your mentality it's going to impact your decisions and you're not even going to see the positive you're not going to see all the benefits of reselling it and some of our best episodes that we've had where people have commented like such a good episode thank you so much is where we kind of go through and are just like thankful and list the things we enjoy about reselling Mm -hmm. because those types of things remind you of oh yeah Oh, yeah. Like there are there are a lot of benefits like this has opened up some doors and and OK, maybe sales are slow right now, but I did have that one sale and that allowed me to do this thing. And I've learned more about this. So when you start to see things and, and, and I don't I don't advocate for just like ignorant optimism. I think there's a, a, a you can go into that other ditch, but I think it's less often people are in that ditch. Uh, and if they are, then it's a whole different issue to, to worry about. But I, 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 that's one of the reasons I love our Discord. For those of you who support us on Patreon and are part of our Discord group, is it is just a positive community. We have our rants and raves because, let's be honest, like we do need to vent every once in a while, but that's not the focus of what we do. That's not the focus of our Discord. People are there sharing stories. People are there asking questions. People are there celebrating their wins. And I think that's a much healthier place to be. Because when you see other people around you winning, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, oh, do I really want to go out garage selling? Do I really want to list? And then I see some of the things people are posting in the Discord and I'm mm-hmm. like, man, it's it's doable. I could do this.
1: Oh, it's interesting you say that because our Discord, it, it, we get new people in there. And so many times we've had new people say, this is the most eBay positive <laughs> Discord I've ever been in. And and we I take pride in that because we've always been big about, listen, there's ups and downs there's a lot of things we're not agree, going to agree with with eBay or Amazon or any platform we're on. But if we let that determine the way we run our business, it's just going to run into the ground. And it's very easy to, to get caught up in all of that. You know, I this is why I stay away from the eBay forums this is why I stay away from e-commerce bites, comment section, uh, all these places. Like if you want to find, find these places where people are like, Oh, back in 2003, I was making money hand over fist and now the market's saturated and it's FeeBay and eBay doesn't care about us resellers and, you know, they should all go to jail. Like it's just, it's this constant neg- And it's extreme negativity, like just obnoxious. And so <clears throat> that that's not going to build you up. That's not going to motivate you. That's going to, that's going to instead cause you to go, you know what? You're right. You're right. You know, there's a reason sales aren't happening. It must be eBay's throttling all my items. And since I'm not promoted at this amount, they're just never going to allow me to have a sale. And because, you know, I need begin to have all these crazy conspiracy thoughts about why you're not having sales instead of just focusing on the business and going, all right, what am I not doing that is producing sales? Even in a downturn economy, even right now, there are people that are killing it. I've been up and down. Mike has been up and down. There's been others, but there's some weeks that people have been like, wow, this last month, I did far better than I did my last three months combined. And I'm glad I suck with it. I'm glad I didn't stay negative. And speaking of our discord real quick, if you have not just uh, have not yet signed up to support us on Patreon, please do so go to patreon.com slash of podcast, or go to the link below uh, and just uh, sign up for 555 a month. And, in supporting us, and, and we're going to need, especially the support next few months, as we're trying to get a lot of new equipment uh, to make sure that our podcast stays professional. So that would really help. Uh, you get a bonus of join our Discord, a positive thriving group of resellers. I, I love it when I when it's been like a day like I've been super busy, or you know I got hit with sickness uh, this past week and I couldn't really you know I was just lurking and and it was great because people are definitely motivated motiv- motivating motivating each other, uh, you know sharing. P- Great tips on on what to look for, on how to ship, on on how to network, or you know, there's like a vintage item and not everybody knows about it, but there's a few people that do, and so everybody's asking questions and people are learning about it. So it's a great thriving community. And one of the things to help you stay out of that trap is joining a Discord by supporting our Patreon, or you can join others. There's plenty of Facebook groups out there that are positive. I haven't heard of many, so there might be, but I haven't heard of many now. The other thing here that I think that people get caught in the trap that just ruins their reselling business as they continue to source the same items year after year, expecting the same results. Mm. I see this happening so much, so much for, especially like in media. I I know, I know a lot of resellers in San Diego that, that do media. And so they've been doing DVDs for a long time, you know, Blu-ray, uh, video games, you know, LPs, all those different things. And Instead of adapting it, they continue to try to do the same thing. So right now, for example, DVDs is a brutal market to get into. Just brutal. You know, the other day I was sourcing a garage sale and there's a box of, it was like 300 DVDs, like half of them sealed. And the guy's like, I'll do a hundred for all of them. And I'm like, no, I'm not even going to touch that for a hundred. Right, I might be able to go to the swap and flip all 300 real quick for a dollar a piece, but I don't even think I'll be able to get a dollar a piece, right? Because The market is flooded. It's not like back in the day where people very highly were looking for DVDs and so on. Everybody can stream everything. Right. And so unless you have that unique one, uh, you know, VHS right now, right? VHS is hot. If you find sealed VHS, that is hard to find. And so that's where a person that's been doing media probably should go. You know what? I used to do really well on DVDs for a long time. I used to be able to, you know, buy out wholesale like pennies on the dollar, make good money. And now I feel like I'm doing more work for a lot less money. And so people get on eBay and on the eBay forums and say, oh, I've been doing media for so long and I I just keep losing money and and eBay's throwing me and, and everything has been oversold and, and there's too many people in the market. And instead of adapting, they just keep keep doing the same thing. I'm finding that with clothing too, right? Clothing, a lot of the brands five, six years ago, that used to sell for good money. They just don't. And it's not due to resellers exposing it on YouTube. Just trends change, taste change. Yeah. And, and
0: there's, there's a benefit to that because if you're willing to adapt, you're willing to look around and learn new things, then your competitors if they're not adapting they're staying they're still buying the stuff that isn't selling you might be have the corner on a market for a while on a new niche or an old brand of clothes that's now popular until everyone kind of catches on to it so if you're willing to do the work and the, and put in the work you could actually benefit from the fact that a lot of people fall into this trap uh, another one uh, this is a big trap that a lot of people fall into is not doing the bookkeeping not especially if you start small you're kind of doing it as a hobby and you don't really keep track of things you're not keeping track of how much you're buying items for how much your your costs are what your shipping supply costs are all of those things and it could really put you in a world of hurt because either one you're going to get that 1099 from eBay and you're going to have to fill that out um, or two you know you're just going to do the right thing even without a 1099 i mean i i, I got one not last this for this last year, but I got one the year before and eBay actually like, sorry, we didn't mean to send these out, but I'm like, no, sweet, this, this actually helps. I'm going to use it because you know, that now I know the number that you would be reporting to the IRS and it's not just me trying to like, okay, figure out all the numbers myself. Uh, but like this last year, I didn't get a number from eBay itself. And so I had to kind of do my own thing, right? Like I had to like make sure, okay, like, all right, I'm going to pull my sale report. I'm gonna figure out how much, how much all of my costs were. And then I had to kind of figure out my, my expenses, on my own, I was able to keep a lot of things, but you're really going to be in a, a world of hurt because eventually you're going to be doing taxes. Uh, the more you're doing this, you're going to build up to the point where either eBay is going to send it to you, or you're going to you're going to just do it on your own because it's what you're technically supposed to do. And it's it gets really tough. I mean, especially I remember like looking at like, okay, I've got stuff that I bought five years ago, and I don't have receipts for this stuff. And so when it sells, it's it's you're kind of playing this weird like, okay, like I'm. So you want to start early. You want to start early and have those receipts. Keep your bookkeeping, uh, which is one of the reasons why we use my reseller genie. My reseller genie is, and and not that we're just trying to make this whole (laughs) advertising. Every time I talk, I'm like, (laughs) hey, first our Discord, now my reseller genie. But like we we talk about the tools that we use, and my my reseller genie is a great tool for, uh, you know, keeping track of all of those things. When you buy things, it's gonna. It, there's a tier you can purchase where it's automatically going to pull the data from your eBay. Uh, you can put in the information how much you bought things for. And then you just have that information there. And the reality is, um from and of course, not not tax advice, we're not yeah, well, you expert. could go
1: to the link below real quick and use our code, Pure Hustle All caps for fifteen percent off the f- first month.
0: Yeah, use it. yeah, use we'll use, just leave it there. Use my reseller genie. um you, you're you're going to want to use it. Um, so it's not tax advice in the sense of like a, a an audit from everything I kind of gather, audits are pretty rare. But I'm sure if you're a reseller, the chances are it goes up a little bit because you're in a a, a kind of a trickier market, you know? And so you want to be able to protect yourself and have that data. And so if an IRS agent showed up and you've got all of your My Reseller Genie stuff, like just good to go, you're going to breeze through an audit as opposed to you're like, well, there was this garage sale and then I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You know, so... I just point people at my Instagram stories. Yeah. Yeah, but even then, they're not going to, they're going to make
1: you do the work. They're going to say, great, show me the Instagram story for this item. But here, here, here's the thing about bookkeeping. And vast majority of people don't like bookkeeping. Okay, and, and the thing is, when you're first starting as a reseller, you're not thinking about that. Right. If you're brand new, you're thinking of what bookkeeping I've, I only make like a hundred a week, you know, on, on a good month in Q40 made a thousand dollars. Right. You're like, why, why would I, why would I bookkeep? Right. And in the beginning, you don't think about this. Like what happens with a lot of resellers that go full time, they never thought they would be full time. They just started as a part time seller and then they realized they can make a little more and they started making a little more and they liked it. You know, they went from being able to have, you know, nice date nights to having extravagant date nights, having nice vacations, having extravagant vacations because they kept their full time job and they started reselling. And the more they learned, the better they became. And what ended up happening is, then when it came to tax time, they didn't do any of their bookkeeping and they they've never experienced a year where they end up owing a lot of money. And the reason they're owing money isn't necessarily because they actually owe that money. They just didn't do the bookkeeping. So now they have several K and they're like, "Oh, I don't I don't know if I want to resell anymore, because now that I'm reselling, it's added to, you know, my my taxable income. And now I'm I'm like, this isn't worth it to me because now, yeah, I enjoy all this time, but it's basically like I borrowed money from the government that I have to pay back. But the reality is, if you started bookkeeping and you kept tabs of your cost of goods, uh, how much you spent on shipping supplies, utilities, your mileage, all those different things that your a tax professional would be looking for, by the way, is not financial advice, you'd be in a whole lot of a better place than if you just were willy nilly. And, and listen, I'm speaking to myself, I am terrible at it. Right. And I need tools to help me going. But I, I will say my my first two years, I ended up getting a bill after the fact <laughs> of money that I owed because I miscalculated. Why? Because I had a terrible bookkeeping system. And after that, I learned my lesson. I didn't want to pay that much anymore. And it's been, you know, it's been nice since then. So, Definitely, if don't get caught in that trap as a reseller that, you know, I I barely sell anything. I don't need a bookkeep. It's not going to catch up to me because it will catch up to you. Now, this next one I find fascinating because even though I've been reselling for 10 years, five years full time, like 12 years uh, in total. I'm always learning about shipping. And there's a lot of people that, you know, you've been reselling for a while and you're just like, I don't There's nothing more I can learn. Right. I, you know, I, I print the labels on eBay. I use USPS uh, free priority boxes. You know, I know that I can modify the non flat rate boxes. You know, you, you learn all these things. And then you learn something new. Right. So, for example, I'll give you for, for myself, I was pretty arrogant and I used to ship everything flat rate, medium flat rate box. Every every shoe didn't matter what it was. Medium flat rate, medium flat rate. And I always saw people doing the shoe boxes, you know, that you could order free from USPS. And one day I was like, I'm going to try it. And sure enough, my shipping expense went from, you know, $14 per medium flat rate to $10 maybe even less if it was, you know, within California, Nevada, Washington, nearby. And so let's say I sold, you know, 100 pairs of shoes, right, in one month and I saved $4 on each one. That's $400 that I'm saving my bottom line. Uh, a new one I also began to pick up in the last, not last year, but like three years ago was shipping shoes in a padded priority, right? Had I not, you know, decided to go, you know, I don't know enough. I would have been losing on that money. So instead of shipping out shoes for 14 bucks, I'm not shipping out books for $8 and 30 bucks, uh, shoes for $8 and 30 cents. Uh, remind me, there's this great guy on TikTok. I'm just going to throw it out. I throw it out there. I don't even know if he listens. Uh, his name is wagon trail adventures. And this tool i just learned from him last week because he always says like here's what's sold on ebay and he he just shows himself quickly like packing stuff and most of the stuff i'm like all right i know i know how to do that i know how to do that but did you know that if you cut a small triangle at the end of a padded flat rate it makes it easy to get stuff in there because the the vacuum seal isn't there anymore
0: hmm.
1: right so it's easier instead of you just trying to cram things in you just cut that little hole. And it just slides in there and then you can tape it after the fact yeah it's like uh it's like when
0: you have you know a water jug or something and you have like a, a spout at the top to mm-hmm, let air mm-hmm. you know filters through that makes sense because you're not yeah pushing air in and trying to fill it that way there's a place for the air to mind blowing
1: yeah no that's a, that's, that's a
0: great tip um yeah i never thought of doing that thank either. you wagon trail adventures for posting that on tiktok yeah so again just to reiterate the 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 trap is falling into it. It could be shipping, but it's a lot of things too. is just kind of thinking there's no room to grow. There's no, nothing new to learn mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that you've got it all figured out. And for sure, there is more to learn and you, you got to be willing to take that time, be humble. That's a big part of it and just say, I don't know everything. Yeah. Know everything.
1: And so this other trap I'm going to kind of throw in as we throw out in our info about social media is the idea that you know, it's better not to be part of a reselling community because you lose a lot of time on social media. It's not worth it to you. So on. And I, I believe that's a huge trap, especially now. And, you know, And Mike and I have been doing the podcast now for close to five years. Uh, we have learned far more than we've ever would have learned by trial and error. Right. The best part about listening to pure as a podcast is learning from our our mistakes right you don't have to learn from those mistakes so don't get caught in the trap of like hey i'm not going to get on instagram i'm not going to get on tiktok i'm not going to you know watch youtube i mean obviously if you're listening to a podcast this may not be you at all but you can get caught in this trap that there's nothing for me to learn from the reselling community online because everybody's just about you know talking about how much money they make or just showing their you know their biggest sales but the reality is there is a lot of that but there's a lot of tips out there there's a lot of good resellers out there that are just documenting what they're doing. And as you watch them document what they're doing, you begin to learn. So if you haven't yet, follow us on on all social media. We are Pure Hustle Podcast. On Twitter, we are Pure Hustle Cast. You could always give us a call 619-738-1170 at 619-738-1170. Uh, we do phone calls sometimes of Hustle of the Week. We actually have today. It's not a phone call. It's a a voice call onto our discord yeah nice alright you can always shoot us an email at puresthepodcast at gmail.com that's puresthepodcast at gmail.com and if you're just listening uh, to the podcast which is great we're grateful but you haven't jumped on over to the YouTube jump on over to YouTube hit that subscribe button smash that like button hit that bell notification to be notified about whenever we drop a video you know I, I share a quick story here from one of our listeners I was at garage sales and uh Matt shout out to you you know I'm talking about you And I I bring up Matt a lot on the podcast. I don't always mention his name. You've met Matt. He's a full-time reseller Mm, in town. (laughs) And I went to a garage sale and I wanted to buy like these lights and it was a dollar. And what is the biggest fail you can do when you show up at a garage early in the morning and something's only a dollar? I'm trying to see if Mike can read my mind. I've got no idea. It just, all you have is twenties. Oh yeah. Gosh. You're like the first person you show up. Yeah, how are you not prepared? Okay, back? so listen, listen. All right, it was late last night. I didn't break my bills. And so I asked the lady, I'm like, do you have a change for 20? She's like, no. And I was like, I really wanted these lights because they're like a dollar. I could probably flip them for 30 or 40 bucks. And it was a slow morning. And so I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't want to go all the way to the bank. And sure enough, here comes Matt to the rescue. I was like, I felt really bad having to scrounge for money oh, at garage Awkward. So I'm like, hey, Matt, uh, do you have a dollar? <laughs> oh, my Matt. gosh. You didn't even say like,
0: hey, can you break a 20? You're, you're literally there like panhandling so that you can flip stuff. Man, hey, at I, least I'm panhandling to make business. If okay, the podcast hasn't lost some credibility after this. I don't know what. what? Hey, can you give me some money so I could do some flipping?
1: <laughs> so, anyways, Matt was a good guy. He's like, don't worry about the dollar. Shout out to you, Matt. Thanks for uh giving me that dollar and hopefully I make a good profit uh, from that item. <laughs> I feel like you should get to share of the profit. Yeah. Just saying. So. Maybe maybe, Just maybe. maybe we'll grab breakfast after sourcing one That's of the right. mornings or something, right. you know? So I, uh, so appreciate that. What was I sharing? All that? Oh, the reason I was sharing that, I was talking to Matt and Matt's like, it's so interesting that you guys have, you know, you have thousands of listeners on the podcast side, but you don't have that many, you know, views uh, or subscribers in comparison, how big you guys are on the podcast side. And I was like, "Yeah, it's just because we started as a podcast." So the reason I share this, I want to encourage all of you, if you haven't yet, just jump on over. If we can get to 10k by the end of the year, that's really going to help us out because that opens a lot of opportunities uh, for us. Uh, as far as you know, we can be- begin to drop merch a lot easier. Uh, we also get you know higher in the algorithm. It's definitely going to allow us to scale Pure's podcast on the YouTube end. So if you're listening to podcasts, uh, I encourage you. If you haven't yet, come on over to YouTube. Just hit that subscribe button. Doesn't mean you have to listen to us. Just uh, on the YouTube, listen to us on the podcast, but just hit that subscribe button. So yeah. thank you. And on iTunes, if you haven't yet, please leave us an awesome uh, five star review. I think we're almost 700, but we've, we've talked a lot about this stuff. So we'll wait till next time to share some reviews. All right. You ready? I am ready. Talking about
0: Come on, hustlers. Big hustle. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. Hustle of the week. All right. Uh, so our first
1: one. We're we doing the audio first. Uh, oh yeah. Let's do the audio. first. That's a good idea. So this is an audio that came in via discord. And it's pretty awesome that we can do this.
2: Londo, This is Tim. I go by Tim, the slim on the discord. My hustle of the week is a bunch of dungeons and dragon stuff. Hmm. I was fortunate enough to be the first one to catch a lot of 10 rule books for the game. They retail for about 50 bucks a piece. I knew I could get about a couple hundred, and he only wanted fifty bucks for them all. So anyway, I uh, I'm on the way, and he messages me and says, "Hey, are you interested in some miniatures too?" I said, "Oh yeah, I'd love to take a look." Well, I get there, and I'm expecting just a little tote or bag, but no, he is downsizing and been playing the game since the early 2000s. He um, had two large toolboxes full of them, with like sliding drawers and compartments, and all labeled, and then just like a burlap sack just full of these things. Um, these were the plastic models from Wizards of the Coast. They're from the early 2000s, and they're just the little figures that you use to play the game. Um, I was pretty floored. I, I at first glance, I uh, was kind of volume estimating while he's talking, and I'm like, okay, I think there's probably around 800, maybe a thousand in here, um, and so I knew I could probably get a buck a piece. Uh, so I was thinking 400, maybe 500 was kind of my my upper limit um, without really going through there and looking at them. So asked him what he wanted. And he said 200 bucks. I used, uh, the awkward silence and was able to ask him how about, uh, 200 for everything, which he accepted. So I got the books and the miniatures for 200. Uh, what I ended up doing is I just took him home and he, uh, he had them pretty well organized. So I didn't want to do the work of looking up each individual one. Um, I, I do other nerdy games, but Dungeons and Dragons is not my forte. Uh, so I was going to let other people do the work for me. I just lotted them up in groups of one to 150 figures. And at final count, he had over 1,200 figures from the game, along with a bunch of random just metal ones from, from some other games. And uh, I ran 10-day auctions on 11 different lots. The final total was $2,092. And that's after shipping and fees. That's what what we brought in. Um, so I made a total of $1,892, uh, profit in that three weeks time. Uh, fantastic hustle for me. And, uh, I just want to thank you guys for the real relevant content you keep putting out each week. God bless.
0: All right, man. I love that. In fact, when, hey, and Lon. when, uh, when Tim posted that, uh, originally all the pictures on our discord, I was like. <laughs> I, I, i'm not gonna lie i was jealous um i think i even maybe said something about my jealousy in there um and i probably would have done the same i don't think i would have kept them i think i would have sold all of them uh but i love that he lotted them in lots in fact when he posted them he we, he played like a game in our discord um where it was like how much do you think i'm gonna make for this like taking bets right so he started all the auctions really low and I, the reason i know is he took pictures of like what all the lots kind of look like. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of looked at one of them and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to stock one of these lots. And so like I, I I typed it in, I found one of the lots. I'm like, okay, this is, this is, this is his lot here. I'm going to, I'm going to follow it and watch it, you know, and maybe if it doesn't uh, go up crazy high price, maybe I'll buy it. No, before long, especially as it's getting close and I'm like, oh, I've got an alert. There's like, four hours left on this thing. And this lot is already like getting close to like $300. Nice. And I'm like, holy smokes. So yeah, he he crushed it on those. And I just love the fact that he used some of those techniques we talked about, you know, using kind of the awkward silence uh, not giving the first number. Because again, if he would have said, hey, his number was 400 is yep. kind of what he was thinking for everything. If he would just been like, sweet, would you take 400 for all of this? The guy would have been like, sure. Not realizing the guy would have been happy and, and was fine with taking just 200 for everything. Yeah. So... Don't give out that first number. It's a great hustle, and uh, and if you have, if you're not, no, don't don't go don't go buy Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Leave it for me. Leave
1: it for me. There you go. I, I love those because the fact that he also was smart about turning it over quick mm-hmm. for a nice profit, and now he's going to be able to cash flow more items, right? So, all right, uh, do you want you want to go? Sure. All, all right. right. Um,
0: our next one comes from Alex on Instagram. His handle is at wabs w-a-b-b-z so found a 200 piece lot of um little homies there's 200 of them at the store that shall not be named Do you know what little homies are yeah they're were like, were they in like the 50 cent machines like wasn't that how you got them Maybe. or did you get them in
1: like at like target and stuff i don't i don't actually i don't remember i just remember everybody had them when i was growing up yeah they're like little cholos yeah and, and
0: they're little plastic ones yeah. right so um and so 200 of them Paid eight ninety nine for them. Sold on eBay in auction for two hundred and fifty dollars, and I think that's the right bet. I, I and going back even to the miniatures, it is not a bad idea to auction stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like we're big on the the buy it now best offer. However, if you've got like a whole lot of toys that you're not going to spend the time going through each individual one, listing them, or even doing the research of like what how much is this lot worth set it at a price you'd be okay with taking if it goes at like a minimum number and then just put it up on auction because it'll let the market kind of decide what it's worth especially if you're just not sure because maybe there aren't lots of that many to kind of compare to now if there's a ton of them you see like hey people sell about 200 little homies all the time and it seems like it goes for x amount of money then yeah maybe put it up for best offer Uh, at buy it now at at that price. But otherwise, auction is not a bad idea
1: for those types of of hauls. Yeah. And it's very possible that the person that bought them is going to flip them, right? They're going to individually, you know, sell them. And and it's okay it's okay you know that you're always selling up that that's usually the way the game works right everything started at, an or, at some origin you sell it somebody who knows more about you has a better market can sell it for more than somebody else can sell it for more because they have direct buyers and so yeah little homies i remember those things back in the day uh, nice sale there alex all right this comes from heather uh cosmic deal heather who is a great uh you know supporter of the podcast uh if you haven't yet gone over to her youtube she makes great videos she's a real deal reseller uh and so heather came across a wow wow wubsie now you might be too old no too young to know wow wow wubsie see so in the early 2000s there are all these new nick jr shows like dora um there was the wonder pets you know what the wonder pets uh-huh. are <laughs> okay so you know wonder pets of the bolo like if you find wonder pets toys so came across a wow wow Wubsy and used kids laptop for three dollars at the thrift did some Therapeak research and sold. I saw that only two sold in the last year. One used, one used for 50 bucks and one brand new inbox for $300. Decided to list on eBay for a high price. Sold the Nick Jr. Wow Wow Wubsy Bilingual Treehouse laptop for $100 free ship. And I, and I really like the sale because I have been talking recently about 2000s toys are becoming vintage. Like Nick Jr. stuff. Like I, I'm pretty sure backyard against you probably know backyard against is right. You you know what your kids like right now. So think about those things in twenty years are probably gonna be worth money. Yep. Right? It's just it's interesting because what what's happening is you know, people are having people that had you know kids in the two thousands, or people that were little kids in the two thousands, are now in their twenties and getting married and having kids, and they're like, you know, I really like those ki- toys when I was a small kid. I'm gonna get them for my child, and now they're on the vintage market, and now they sell for more than retail. And so, wow, wow, whoopsy! I guess I never thought I'd be saying those words again. Uh, being that last time I said those words was like early two thousands, sometimes. So, anyways, nice sale there, Heather. Yeah, it made me just think I'm like, okay, I, I, I was thinking, what are, what is
0: it kids are into right now? I know little kids, this might be, usually it's like, I feel like the junior high age and stuff, like a little bit below then that that ends up coming back and okay. making it big. But I'm like, okay, what's big right now? Okay, well, there's, there's obviously uh, uh, Bluey. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with that show. That Bluey, show. Yeah, Bluey yeah. that show's huge. And then also, um, everybody, all the little kids love Blippy. Oh, and I so. thought like Blippy
1: is like the... blippy has been around forever too. Yeah.
0: But not that long. I don't feel at like at least
1: a decade. Because no, yeah, my seventeen-year-old was watching Blippy back in the day. No, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh well, maybe. Or um, maybe I just let him watch it for too long. Maybe.
0: Um, So, anyways, I'm like, I kind of feel like Blippi is almost in some ways like the Pee Wee Hermit of today. Like different, more educational. But then I, that made me think, like, I wonder if Pee Wee Herman stuff's worth anything. Just, oh, it is. And I'm like, holy cow! Yeah, there's yeah, there's definitely yeah. money in Pee Wee Herman stuff. So yeah, it just goes to show, like, all the stuff that was was popular in the day, man. It it uh, it comes back comes back.
1: Now Good. you also have to think of supply and demand. Obviously, you know, Pee Wee Herman stuff is a lot harder to find yeah. than let's say, you know, blippy's gonna be because there's so much blippy stuff out there. Yeah, now. but again, like thirty years from now. Yeah, kids like destroyed all the toys. Yeah, all the Blippi yeah. stuff true, So it's true, like true. Man, I can't believe we talked about blipping Pee Wee Herman talking
0: polstering doll in a in a in a in, in box. $120 plus thirteen dollars shipping.
1: Yeah, how much is the sofa? Did you see the sofa in there? What was the name of the sofa? Fifty dollars plus 20, the Pee Wee Playhouse Cherry. Is it Cherry? Oh cherry. yeah, yeah. There, there's nothing educational about that show. That's true. I used to love waking up Saturday mornings to watch it though.
0: I, uh, I, I never really watched. it. I just watched the movies. I watched the movies. You know, so. I'm an old man. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So our next one, our next one is from Elsinore Picker from Discord. Uh, Went to a yard sale and came across a vintage iMac in decent condition. The owners didn't know much about wiping their discs, so used old Mac operating system software and was able to restore it to factory settings. Uh, Stated, by the way, when I saw this, I nearly burst my buttons. Love it. With excitement. So if you've listened to the podcast, you know what buttons buttons means. Uh, So listed on eBay and sold a first Apple iMac G3 Bondi Blue computer operating system with uh, keyboard for (laughs) $299.99. That's a that's a pretty good deal. Um, do you know what the uh, the cost was on that? Did you you remember?
1: Oh, the cost was five dollars. Did oh, I geez. put that in the yeah, notes? Five
0: to five to three hundred. Yeah. That's killer. It makes me not even want to talk about my my hustle of the week. You guys are killing it out there.
1: But that's like everybody has different hustle of the week. Sometimes we get people in here that are like, oh, I I made fifteen thousand dollars, right? Yeah. And then some people make a dollars or some people make thirty. Yeah. It it's it all depends where you're at in your reselling journey. Yep. All right. What's your uh, what's your hustle of the week? All right. So. I had mentioned months ago where I picked up a bunch of Sports Illustrated for kids for uh, the magazine for $5, right? And the reason that people like these magazines, I mentioned that as a bolo is because there's card sheets inside and you can take these card sheets and you can get them graded and you can sell them for more than let's say the magazine. Well, I I had also stated that when I picked these up at a garage sale, I, I had an Instagram story. And I was like, ah, none of these are really vintage. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. And I had instantly all these people DM me like, I'll buy them off of you. I'll buy them off of you. So when people started saying that, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to There, gonna must, be, there, must, there be must be something here I don't know about. So one day in, I think in December when things were right after Q4 and kind of slow, I decided to list them. And I had like 50 of them and I sold some for 20. I sold some for 30. And I was like, wow, I turned $5 into several hundred dollars. Well, I had one that had Zion Williamson, who right now he isn't actively playing, but Zion Williamson is popular and he's on the cover and there's a card sheet in there. And I saw that there was only three on there that were listed. Uh the, the comps on there showed, you know, one sold for a one for 125. Somebody was trying to sell one for like a thousand or whatever. Well, then those all sold. And I was the only one there. And I'm like, okay, I don't think anybody's gonna pay for a thousand, especially because Zion's not playing at this time but I'm just going to throw it up there. So I listed it up there for uh, $300 and I had my 50% sale running and somebody paid $150 for my sports illustrator for kids design. Williamson on the cover, Thanks. hard sheet. So off that f- stack of 50 sports Illustrated for kids for $5, I probably have made, I, I want to say seven or $800 wow. that magazine alone. I sold for $150. Yeah. So so definitely keep an eye out. And uh, you just you just never know. Yeah. You just never know. You never know. It's good stuff. Alright. What is your hustle? Um, so mine is definitely not that big.
0: Uh, I guess I'll, I'll throw a couple little small ones in there just kind of balance it, I guess. Okay. So um, I'm still doing really well on Harry Potter minifigs that I bought. Uh, so... I mentioned, I think it was probably a bolo several weeks ago, that because the Harry Potter game that has come out uh, on pretty much every console, it's pretty big. A lot of people are interested in it. A lot of my Harry Potter stuff has been kind of flying off the shelf, and my wife and I bought a bunch of Harry Potter and Marvel boxes at um, at a big box store that was selling them basically at clearance, and I paid five dollars per box. And each box of their, like little blister packs you open up has twenty metal figures like there's 10 different ones well, you get two of each was. right okay. and they were selling them I think it was actually under five dollars it was like four something um because they were on clearance and so my wife and I bought a ton of them well the Marvel ones really haven't moved very much we've sold a few um I let my son open up a bunch of them and play with them uh but the Harry Potter ones have been sitting and we hadn't sold any of them but since that game has come out they've been moving and so it's a hustle of the week in the sense of it was kind of a long tail it wasn't a huge gamble because you know you buy 10 boxes for you know, 40 bucks, not a big deal. And all of a sudden, now they're selling easily at, you know, 20 bucks a a pop. It it starts to add up. And so um, one of those things like Marvel, maybe there's too much Marvel stuff out there that has been made. Uh, Harry Potter, there's a ton of Harry Potter stuff, but I don't feel like Harry Potter has had as much new things out recently. And then a new game kind of just pushes the stuff that is available up in the price. So uh, that was good. And then I also sold a board game uh, that I picked up. Two of them brand new sealed. Uh, I paid, it was like $20 each, uh, maybe less. Cause I paid, I think I paid like $35 for both of them. And I uh, just sold one of them for 70 bucks. Nice. And so the other one, if I figure that's if I sell 100. that one for $70, then that's a, uh, that's all profit because uh,
1: I already made my profit plus some. Yeah. There you go. I mean, listen, hustle the week, hustle the week. Yeah. Yeah. Take They're it. Golden. All right. Hey, before we move on to other things that people get trapped in, I want you guys to keep an eye out for us on Twitter. Oh no. On Skull Shaver Twitter. Oh geez. So here we go. So I don't know when, but so I I got I brought my uh gotcha Skull Shaver. Yeah. But I gotta tell you, it keeps it nice and clean. It's real easy. Keeps your percentages on there. It tells you how much until you gotta charge again. But uh you know, Skull Shaver has asked us to partake in their Bald of the Week campaign. Yeah, so we have Hustle of the Week. They're going with Bald of the Week.
0: And uh it's a basically what they said is they're looking for models like us, that are clearly just incredible looking individuals that don't have hair. Um, I'm being redundant, I guess, there. Uh, and, but they want to show off. So yeah, check out Twitter. Type in, like, what, what would it be? Hashtag uh, well, of the it, Week?
1: Well, I don't know what. School shaver. shaver. So if they follow just school shaver on Twitter, when it pops up, It'll come up, so it'll have maybe. I don't know if they're gonna pick us, yeah, but they might not pick us. They wanted us to send in our photos. If it was a
0: competition, that'd be cool because like, then we could have all of our listeners vote
1: vote for uh, vote but for still, our dome. Still, blow us up on there, you know, like it. I don't know, I'm gonna retweet. <laughs> that would be oh, kind of weird, but Absolutely. anyways, hey, if you haven't yet bought your, uh, you know, your skull shaver, uh, go on over to Skullshaver.com. Use our promo code uh, Pure Hustle. And it'll give you a discount and you'll be able to, you know, have a smooth dome like Mike and I at whatever occasion you need it for. Yeah. All right. So here's the trap that I find a lot of experienced sellers do this and then they share this knowledge with newer sellers and then everybody starts doing it and they end up in this whole category of, well, things are just slow. And it's the idea of... You know what my item is such a great item i shouldn't have to promote it i shouldn't have to run sales i shouldn't have to do coupons right i priced it where it needs to be it's at the bottom it's priced competitively it's it's a hard to find item there's a following and so they won't do it they won't run sales they won't promote they won't you know do coupons and here's the thing you might be right your item could be something that is going to sell on its own, but it may take longer to sell because eBay wants to make money. And one of the ways that eBay lately has said it makes money is through promotions. Right. And so, if eBay wants to do promotions, I strongly suggest you do promotions. I'm not saying go and do 8 to 10%. I, I do 2% across the board. Sometimes I may have items that I believe are more competitive. And so I might jump those to uh, 4%, 6%, sometimes even higher if I need to, if it's a retail arbitrage item. But what ends up happening, they get in this trap and eBay won't push your items high. They'll end up low in the search. They may have a great item, but they just... Aren't selling, and the reason they're not selling is because there are plenty of other people that are running sales. Because if you run a sale, eBay will boost you in the algorithm. If you have coupons, eBay will boost you. If you do promote listings, eBay will boost you. If you do nothing, the only thing that's going to get that person to your item is by directly typing in that item, and you're like the only person that sells that specific item. I don't know where do you land yeah. on this.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think it's an interesting to think. Really, the only thing in here that's not related to being the most competitive price is the promoted listing. Everything else really just comes to pricing. Like you might put something at a certain price, but if you're not promoting it, uh, or I'm sorry, if you're not running a sale on it, you're not offering coupon or just adjusting your price to make sure that it's the lowest total price, you're you're competing against people and you might not even realize it. You, you might not realize that, hey, there's a bunch of these items listed at a certain price, I'm gonna list mine at the same price. But if you don't see that, hey, they've got a coupon running, I've actually clicked on it and see that, that you can apply a coupon or that store is running a sale, you might think you're competitively priced, but you're not. So you really want to make sure that you're competitively priced. So things like coupons, things like sales really just make... It kind of falls in line with, are you really competitive? The other aspect, which is the promoted listings, that one's a little bit more like, ugh, sucks, but you kind of have to do what you have to do. And and, and it's true. We've heard... a People are probably going to comment on this one if you've got the right items you don't need to promote and that's probably true if you've got the only one of a really rare guitar or you're the only one of a certain type of item you probably don't need to promote it because you're the only person that's got that item that people are looking for um, or it's such a it's such a sought after thing and it's not flooded but if you're competing with like the same kind of shoe the same kind of whatever and there's a bunch of other people that have similar stuff eBay is going to push the stuff that's promoted. It they just will. So, yes, if you if you've got the one of a kind collectible item, you probably don't need to promote it, but if you are you've got something that's collectible but it's not like super rare, super one of a kind, promoting it is going to be it's going to make a difference for sure, for sure. Um the next one and this one is this one's tough for a lot of people and really it's tough probably for everybody to take a realistic reflection on where you're at on it, but as organization, if you're not willing to spend the time, you fall into the trap of thinking like, hey, everything's working. And you know, I'm just gonna leave this stuff out and I just bought this stuff and I'm just gonna put the things I haven't listed in this pile and it's gonna be fine. And you can easily fall into a trap where before long, that little pile turns into a big pile and then they can't find your tape gun and you're not sure where the boxes are. And oh wait, I'm out of that size box and I totally forgot to order new ones. And where's that item that just sold? a little mess turns into a big mess pretty quickly. And, you know, spending a little bit of time every day on organization, along with occasional, like revamping of your organizational structure is crucial in order to stay profitable and save time. Uh, And I think part of that is just spend the 10, 15 minutes it takes to actually clean up stuff, put stuff in the right spots. It's so easy to get an item be like, oh, this just fits on this shelf for now, just put it there. And then you forget and you don't custom skew it or all of those things. Um, And then also... If you started off where you know half of this shelf was shoes and then the top half of this shelving unit was closed and before long you've outgrown that and then now your, your organization system that made sense a month ago, a year ago, no longer makes sense. And so every once in a while you're gonna have to do kind of a restructure, reorganizing. And again, just imagine your business. I worked at Target. I know probably most of our listeners have done some kind of retail at some point or something similar or have been in a retail store. And you see, like, I used to always get frustrated. Why are they always moving things? These in caps are moving to these in caps. So the seasonal section's out. It's okay, I understand seasonal moving, but things move all the time. You go into a store and you're like, man, where did they move this stuff? They, they, they moved it over here. And part of it is because they're doing the numbers and they know what products need to be visible, what products need to be moved, what products need to, and they're constantly changing things. And if big stores are having to do that, how much more are we needing to do that in order to stay profitable?
1: agreed and the thing is you can get very overwhelmed like even right now i feel overwhelmed i did promise to mike that the podcast room would be empty but uh yeah it's not <laughs> there's the inventory in the podcast room my ebay room is pr- looking pretty rough right now and and here's the thing it, it's a trap because what ends up happening is you slowly begin to not want to resell anymore right because you're like oh i'm so overwhelmed i have I have stuff everywhere. You know, I, I don't feel like listing. And instead of it motivating you to list, it actually works against you because you feel like it's overtaking you. So you just want to escape reselling. You'll do, you'll go out sourcing because then when you're sourcing, you don't have to look at your death files, right? You, you'll, you, you'd rather go hang out and, and do whatever instead of listing. Because if you're listing, that means you're actually paying attention to inventory you haven't taken care of. And so you don't want to get in that trap because you get in a trap of, having a ton of money that you spent that you are not making any money on. It's just sitting there and you could have some items that are worth big money that you've forgotten about because there is a time where you could source so much, you forget what you source. And I, have been there many times. It still happens to me all the time. And so make sure you do not get in the trap of like, Oh, I'm just going to put things wherever I'll organize it eventually. Uh, Or the trap of just always running death piles. If I could start things all over from brand new, I would never have death pals. I just wouldn't. But unfortunately, that that uh, yeah, there's no hope. There's no hope. <laughs> Again, I'm falling into my own traps. Don't listen to me. All right, here's the last one. Trying to copy other resellers. I, I I think this is the one that that burns a lot of people because they try to be like other resellers. And so, a few examples here. One is they try to buy what the other resellers are buying all the time but here's the thing if you're in a different place geographically that might be really hard or they may have been reselling for a long time and so they developed the following they have a customer base so they could sell things a lot faster than you could you could list it and you may not sell that item so for example right now if i find certain model railroad trains or hot wheels i will sell those within a couple of days because i have a good customer base that they're always, you know, looking at my store every day, what's new on there. And so as soon as something pops up, the hey Orlando, you know, I bought from you before. What do you think about bundling all these items and selling it? And I'll sell it. Not everybody has that advantage. And it's because that took some time to build. Or you might go, you know, oh, I looked at this and let's go to Amazon. You know, I see this Amazon FBA seller. They're, you know, a million dollar seller. They make a million dollar in sales. Uh, And you're like, wow, I would love to be a millionaire. But the reality is that person probably is only making 10% net in that million. So yeah, 100,000, pretty good, pretty good, right? But at the same time, they have the ability to do that, right? They may have the warehouse. They may have the the time. They may have the geographic space to do that. And so you have to do what works in your business because you can fall in this trap of trying to be like everybody else. You get into this trap of well, I should be like this one seller. And if I just sell a certain amount of items every day for this amount of money, I'm going to be just like them. And and the reality is that may not happen. The algorithm may treat you different than that person because that person has been selling for a long time. So what I encourage you to do is Find what works for your business, right? Find what works for your sourcing. Find what works as far as what it takes to turn that sale. Find what works for you as far as capital and and the amount of money you're able to spend. Because if you try to mimic a lot of people online, there's a lot you don't know. You don't know what those 90 day totals mean. You don't know what their family situation is. You don't know what their financial situation is. I know personally some resellers that are well off. And they were well off before they're a reseller. So the fact that they're doing okay isn't because of necessarily reselling. They just were well off before. And now they decided just to do reselling on the side because they enjoyed it. They wanted to grow a YouTube channel, whatever it is. So make sure to stay focused. That's right. So did you want to add any more to that one? No, I, I think that's good. I think, yeah, you can't compare yourself to other people. You can't even
0: really compare yourself to yourself a lot of times. Like You can <laughs> when you're doing reflections uh, to an extent. But again, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, if you're trying to compare this year to 5 years ago, 10 years ago, without without looking at it with how can I make adjustments? How have I have I grown as a reseller? What have I learned? But yeah, if you think you can just... Copy and paste. It's not A plus B equals C every single time in reselling. And so, if it doesn't work with yourself, with hey, I used to source VCRs and and sell this mini. If I listed this mini and I was profitable, it's definitely not going to work if you try and input somebody else's exact style or methodology or even their interests. You know, sometimes people are really interested in something. I see. Sh- sh- I see. That was like a tongue twister. I was almost at a Sally sells seashells. Sea I sea see shoe sellers. Um, try and say that 10 times fast. I see shoe sellers occasionally and I'm like, man, they, they seem to be killing it. They know a ton of it. Maybe I should learn about shoes. I'm not a sneakerhead. I don't like sneakers. Um, I, not that I, you know, have anything against people who are into sneak into sneakers, but that's just not my passion. And so I can look at that and say, I could be really profitable if I got into sneakers, but if it's not your, if it's not you.
1: Yeah. Then there's no not gonna passion work. there, not gonna you're, you're going to struggle. Yep. And, you know, Mike and I have talked about in the early days, we used to source stuff all the time just because I knew somebody that said these were profitable. In my early days, I did a lot of that. I would watch YouTube and I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to source what this person does. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes you're able to find those items. But the and in time, you could maybe, you know, make that profitable, profitable for yourself. But like Mike said, it's very important to go into a field that you're passionate about and also not only that but go into a field that you know that it's part of like your everyday right like mike and i are educators so you know i i'm very big on like vintage stuff right because i like knowing the story and I, i like knowing how things came about uh some of you may be let's say into skateboarding right and so you may not be into let's say jordans but you may be into skate shoes and there's some skate shoes that make a lot of money in reselling so don't get caught into that trap of trying to copy others. So hopefully this episode uh, definitely brought a lot of value to you into what traps not to fall into, but motivated you that, listen, you can make it in reselling, that you can definitely be profitable even in this time economically and make things happen. With that yeah. being said, make sure to be real, be relevant and be reselling. Please. Peace.